Chapter forty six of French History for English Children. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. French History for English Children by Carolyn Amelia Stephen. Chapter forty six Louis the fifteenth, seventeen fifteen through seventeen seventy four. There have been very few worse kings than Louis the fifteenth of France. He was a bad, weak man, with none of the virtues of his father, or the great qualities of Louis the Fourteenth. He was not so fortunate as to have any able minister to help him in his reign, as Richelieu helped Louis the Thirteenth, and he lived at a time when there were great disturbances and troubles in France and in other countries, so that it was of special importance to each country that its king should be a wise and prudent man. When Louis the Fourteenth died, the little Louis was only five years old, and his great-grandfather had made arrangements that the country should be governed not by any one regent but by a body of men who were to be what was called a council of regency at the head of this council was a man who had been the nephew of the last king and was the great-uncle of the present one and the nearest relation to the young king his name was the duke of orleans this man had expected to be regent without any council to prevent him from doing what he wished and when he had gone to see louis the fourteenth on his deathbed the poor old king had been afraid to tell him what had been arranged by the will and so had said i have left affairs in such a way as will quite satisfy you after this the duke of orleans was made very angry by finding out that he was not to be regent and that another man had even been chosen to be guardian of the little king the parliament held a meeting to hear the will read and then the duke made a speech saying that he was the fit person to be regent and that the king had almost promised that he should be and he succeeded so well in bringing all his hearers round to his side that it was resolved to pay no attention to the will but to make the duke of orleans regent and let him choose the men who were to form the council and help him by their advice at that time it was supposed that louis would never live to grow up and the duke of orleans was full hope of getting the crown for himself whenever the little king should die the regent and his advisers began their government by making everything as unlike as possible to what it had been in the reign of the last king as he had done everything for himself and had not even had chief ministers for the different parts of the government the regent resolved that each department should be managed not by one man but by a council of several men who were to discuss together and settle what was to be done this plan was tried for about three years and did not answer well it was found that matters were decided less not more quickly when there were several men to talk over what was to be done instead of one who would only have to make up his own mind the councils were done away with and ministers chosen instead philip of orleans the regent had some things about him that were good and pleasant he had a great taste for learning of all kinds he was fond of music and had written an opera he spoke well and was a good soldier besides this he had kind pleasant manners and was never cruel but he was idle and so fond of pleasure that his good qualities were of very little use to him for he spent his time in feasting and amusing himself in bad ways when he should have been attending to the government of the country he had a favorite minister named dubois whom he had allowed to manage the affairs of france very much in his own way and who was a bad dishonest man but anxious for the safety of the country and clever in finding out plans for defending it against the attacks of other nations who were its enemies 
one of its difficulties as is always the case with the rulers of any great nation was how to find enough money for carrying on the government without imposing any fresh taxes to which it was known the people would object there was at this time a scotchman in france called john law who was full of a plan he had invented for making the government of france rich without as he hoped making anybody else the poorer the way in which he meant to do this is rather difficult to understand but its chief idea was to have paper money instead of the usual gold and silver coin before this paper money had been used sometimes by private people who had business together people had begun to understand that money is useful to us only because we can exchange it for other things we want therefore it was argued anything which people agree to take in exchange for what they have to sell will serve for money just as well as gold and silver law thought it would be a good plan to have money made of something so common that the government could always make as much as was wanted and every one have plenty he proposed that it should be made of paper like our banknotes sheets of paper with the sum of money they were worth stamped upon them this paper money was to be used as well as gold and silver and orders were to be given that it should be considered as money all through the country there was to be a bank or place where money could be kept in which the sheets of paper which were called notes could always be changed for money when the people to whom they belonged wished to do it Bilal had forgotten one thing which made his plan fail nobody cares to have anything that is not useful in itself if it is very common indeed and very easily to be had if every one had great quantities of paper money already it will be of so little value to them that they will not consider a small quantity of it worth having and they will ask for a great deal of it in exchange for their goods so that the people who buy will be no richer than before they will have more money than usual to begin with but they will also have to spend more than usual this happened in france when law's plan was tried there the paper money became less and less valuable and at last people began to dislike having it at all and to ask for gold instead they all took their notes to the bank to be changed for gold and silver and then found that there was not enough gold and silver for them to receive what was owing to them hundreds of people were ruined in this way law had other plans besides that of the notes and they all seemed to fail at the same time the french who had believed in him had all joined in his plans taken his paper money helped him in all he undertook and hoped to make their fortunes but many of them instead of this were utterly ruined and found they had lost all their good money and had instead only notes that were of no use to them law himself who seems to have been an honest man and to have really thought that what he did was for the good of the country was ruined also he had bought land in france with the first money he had gained he left it and wandered away poor after all his grand hopes to the neighboring countries where he resided till his death ten years afterward while in france every one was taken up with thinking about law and his plans which had turned out so ill for all who believed in them the affairs of the french abroad were going on very well managed by dubois the region's favorite minister the chief enemy of france was spain the hope of louis the fourteenth that after his grandson became king of spain the two nations would always be friends had not come to pass the very fact of the kings of the two countries being relations made a reason for their quarrelling for the spanish king hoped to succeed louis the fifteenth on the throne if he died young which every one fully expected him to do the french the english and the dutch all joined to make an alliance against spain and as there were three of them they called it the triple alliance after a time they persuaded the emperor of germany to join it 
and then, as there were four nations allied together, they called it the Quadruple Alliance. After all these preparations, there was not much fighting. The Spaniards were not strong enough to resist England, France, Germany, and Holland all at the same time, and peace was very soon made by a treaty called the Treaty of London in the year 1720. The Spanish king sent away the minister who had persuaded him to wish for the French crown, and Spain gave up some places, about which there had been a dispute, to the emperor and to France. After all, Louis the Fourteenth did not die for many years after this, and when he did, he left a grandson to succeed him, so there was no need for the king of Spain and the regent to quarrel about his possessions. What Dubois wished at this time, more than anything else, was to be made cardinal. It was the greatest honor, next to being pope, that a Roman Catholic priest could have, and the pope was always chosen from among the cardinals. Perhaps Dubois may have had hopes in his mind of even becoming pope some day, and as many of the great French ministers had been cardinals, in particular Richelieu and Mazarin, Dubois, who thought himself nearly as great a man as they were, was anxious for the same honor. There was hardly any king or important person in Europe to whom he did not write letters and send presents, begging them to ask the Pope to listen to his wish. In spite of all this, the Pope, who was then reigning, refused the request, but when he died, Dubois managed that the new Pope should be one of his own friends, and one of the new Pope's first actions was to send a cardinal's hat, which was the way of showing that a man was made cardinal to Dubois. Very soon after this, Dubois met with an accident while he was reviewing the king's troops, and died a day or two afterward. A few months later, the regent, too, who had been ill for some time, died suddenly one evening while the king was sitting in a room close by, waiting for the duke to come up to work with him. Philip of Orleans had ceased to be regent by the time this happened. The little king was now thirteen years old, and, according to the French laws, was old enough to rule by himself. Philip of Orleans and Dubois had not been good rulers for France. Philip had thought only of his pleasures, and Dubois had cared more for his own power and fame than for anything else. But still, they had done something to make France strong and powerful among the countries of Europe, and the men who were to come after them were worse than they had been. Louis the Fifteenth was not a promising child. He was dull, silent, took no interest in anything, and cared for nobody. He had a very small cow and a white doe, which were his chief friends. He used to milk the little cow himself, and the doe followed him about everywhere, but he did not really care for them. Just about the time that he had came of age, he made up his mind, for no special reason, to kill his white doe. He took a gun and shot it. It was wounded, but had strength enough to crawl up to him and lick his hand. He had it taken away to the right distance, shot it again, and this time killed it. He had never had anyone teach him anything good. His parents had died when he was two years old, and the people who brought him up seemed to be trying to make him cruel and self-indulgent and idle. He grew up as bad a man as might be expected. His first minister was the Duke of Bourbon, a man as bad as a regent, and less clever. His second was Cardinal Fleury, an honest, quiet, rather slow old man, who managed the affairs of the country well through the sixteen years during which his power lasted. When the king was old enough to be married, a Polish princess was chosen to be his wife. Her father had once been king of Poland, but had been deposed from the throne, and was living as a private person. He was much delighted when his daughter was sent for to become queen of France. She was several years older than Louis, who never cared much about her. A few years later the king of Poland died. 
it was a question who should be king after him whether the father of the french queen or the son of the last king who was a german the poles wished for stanislaus the french king's father-in-law and he set off for poland hoping that louis would send him an army to help him conquer his german enemy but he was disappointed louis was thinking about other matters no army came and stanislaus soon had to leave the country and come back to france where he stayed for the rest of his life directly after this there was a war between france and austria which lasted for three years at the end of which france gained by a treaty the province of lorraine on the east side of france which joining on to alsace and the three bishoprics metz verdun and toul made a kind of boundary between france and germany and was considered then as has been thought since very important for the safety of france at this time the people of france were suffering terribly a french writer just after the peace had been made between france and austria said at this very moment in which i write in time of peace men are dying all around us as thick as flies they are wretched eating grass one day when the king drove into paris the people instead of crying long live the king shouted out misery famine bread as he went by once when louis was holding a council the duke of orleans threw on the table a bit of bread made of bracken or fern and said see sire this is your subject's food at this time one of the taxes which the people most hated was levied all over the country it was called the corvée and it meant that when new roads were made going from one part of the country to another the peasants who lived where the road was being made were to go and work upon it for nothing and lend their horses or carts if they were wanted both for the making the road at first and for keeping it in repair afterward as they had to do this without being paid it made them very angry about this time the king began to lead a very bad life doing nothing but amuse himself in all sorts of wrong ways but the people did not know of this and cared much more about him than he deserved once when he had a dangerous illness they were all in despair at the thought of his death and when he began to get better they could hardly do enough to show their pleasure when the reign of louis the fifteenth was about half over the emperor of germany died he had been very anxious that his daughter maria theresa should govern the empire after him and that her husband should be emperor he had laws enacted to say this should be so and had been constantly asking the other princes of europe to promise that they would do nothing to prevent it some of them had promised and others had not but when he died they almost all turned against maria theresa and said whoever had the empire it should not be she after some disputing almost all the countries of europe went to war maria theresa's husband was the archduke of austria so austria was on her side and england and russia on the other side were france spain prussia which last was just beginning to become known as a distinct nation poland and many of the small german princes the war lasted for eight years and while it was going on there were two great battles fought between the english and the french one at dettingham in the netherlands one by the english and another at fontenoy gained by the french when peace was made at last at aix-la-chapelle it was settled that maria theresa's husband should be emperor under the name of francis i and that she should have all the possessions her father had meant to leave her except one which she gave up to the king of prussia while this war was going on the french gained a great deal of land in india they had two famous generals who conquered madras and other places driving the english out of them the english took nearly all these places away from them about ten years later in the time of lord clive 
but just for the moment the french gained great glory by the triumphs in india after the war with austria there were eight years of peace and then seven years of war but neither in peace nor in war did louis the fifteenth show any good qualities or do anything that was for the good of his country an ambassador staying at his court said that he could not find even one hour a day for serious business he spent his time in hunting and other amusements and there was usually some lady about the court to whom he would listen more than to any one else and whose advice he took on all sorts of matters which he ought to have settled himself or with the help of the ministers several great men lived under his reign among others some fine writers of whom the chief was voltaire a great friend of the king of prussia voltaire wrote many interesting books himself and had many amusing and curious things written about him which are to be read in books in various languages there were other writers too many for me to tell you their names though none of them except voltaire were as famous as the men who had lived in the reign of louis the fourteenth the last war in this reign was called the seven years war so called from the length of time which it lasted and was between england and france and also between prussia and austria england and prussia were friends though their armies did not fight together but went on separately each attending only to their own enemies and france and austria who had been such fierce enemies had now made a treaty and were on the same side at first the french army seemed to be successful especially against king frederick of prussia who was beaten in a great battle and who with his small army and enemies all around him expected to be entirely destroyed but in this great difficulty he showed himself to be one of the best soldiers in europe no one had known it of him before and there was great surprise when he suddenly led his men against the french and defeated them so thoroughly that for a long time he had no more trouble with them he made marches which took every one by surprise and always appeared with a small army just when his friends wanted him most and his enemies least expected him the english beat the french by sea and then took from them all they had won in canada and india when the war ended by the peace of paris in seventeen sixty three the english gave up some of the places in india but kept all canada which has been under english government ever since a peace was made between austria and prussia at the same time as the peace of paris between france and england and thus all war in europe was stopped while this war was going on a man named damiens made an attempt to kill the king he stabbed him in the back with a knife one day when louis was getting into his carriage at versailles for a drive damiens always said that he meant only to wound the king not to kill him and this seems to be true for he had stabbed him with the smaller of the two blades in his knife and had made only a slight scratch so that the doctor said if the king were any common man he would be able to go to his work again to-morrow however the king was terribly frightened thought the knife might be poisoned and even when he found that he had gotten completely well was so much disturbed that he had damiens tried and put to death in the most cruel way that had been discovered the reign of louis lasted for eleven years after the peace of paris but there is scarcely anything to be said about this period as we stated before he had always some great lady for his favorite whose advice he took about everything so that when he chose his favorite badly the affairs of the country went on ill one was madame de pompadour of whom pictures are often to be seen in old french fashion books and who seems to have done up her hair in a powdered pyramid on the top of her head which was probably the fashion for ladies at that time 
she gave louis bad advice and was the enemy of the dauphin the king's eldest son who died before his father so that the next heir was the king's grandson louis the fifteenth died in seventeen seventy four end of chapter forty six recording by z cameo johnson kramer